0: The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. It's good to see you all again. I feel like I've been gone forever. I got to be at church last week, and uh, Sabah did awesome. If you missed last week, you need to go this afternoon and download that podcast. It was incredible. Um, It was nice being here. Um, For those of you that it's your first time, I'm Pastor Matt glad you're here. Um, as Ryan said, if you'd fill out one of those guest cards, we've got the giving stations on our, on your way out. Just drop that in. We can get some information to you. Um, for those of you that have been new over the last several weeks, I am the pastor here. Um, I have been on the road and uh, going through some family changes. My oldest daughter got to walk her down the aisle and uh, got a new son-in-law. And so that was an incredible experience. And, and um, it's just neat how God's grown our family. And then last Sunday, we took our youngest down to Uh, College station and dropped her off. And and, um, I'm probably, yes, giggum. I'm probably the one having the hardest time in our family with this. Um, It was tough. Um, She sent me a text this morning. She was getting up to go to church. She's going to try a new church. And um, (laughs) she sent Heather and I a text. She goes, The only people up this early on Sunday mornings on campus are the churchgoers and the walk of shamers. So I responded very quickly. I'm so glad you're a churchgoer. (laughs) So, yeah. must have been a long night, man, because anyway. But I'm I'm so glad you're here. I got a couple things I want to... Adam? I could have been standing there. I mean, you would have to be dialing 911 right now. So today we're talking about the restoration of Jesus um, and the tree. Actually, this is the leaning tree of the creek. Um, I don't know if that's gonna work or not. You just want to sit there and hold it all service? That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> actually, do we have an Abraham in the house? Because the roots actually the abra the root of the promise is Abraham. So if we've got an Abraham in the house, I'll let you work on that. Pay no attention to him. That's like saying don't think of pink elephants, isn't it? You know what we need to do? Yeah, there you go. Ah. It takes a community to plant a tree. Yes. We are going to have fun here at the creek. (laughs) <laughs> a couple of things I want to do, some housekeeping first. Uh, while I was gone, there were some great things happening in ministry, and we had a team go to Nicaragua, and they uh, got back, and some of you saw the video and the updates and everything, but I wanted to share with you a letter that we received from the missionary that they helped down there. Um, this is, um, says, uh, Dear Pastor and Creek Church, on behalf of all of us in Nicaragua, I want to thank you all for your visit, donations, and gifts given to the ministry here. We truly enjoyed having the recent mission team from your church. Please know that all conducted themselves in a genuine Christ-like behavior and exemplified a true love for him, his people, and his work. I was worried about that going into it, honestly. You know, so, you know some of the people I had questions about on the trip. The guy who put our tree on stage. Oh, sorry, Adam. Inner monologue. I'm working on that. I'm just picking on you. The tree was leaning before, so it's not Adam's fault. It's the tree's fault. I got a fun where I was. Our men, one of our men commented to me that he'd never seen a group of, from the United States with such a willingness to work and a desire to minister to people. Specifically, your labor and ministry in the community of Palapon has resulted in a brand new work where souls are being saved and lives changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. With God's help, this will be a true ministry center in this needy area. Pastor Chepe, who is leading this work, was greatly encouraged by those who represented your church. Because of this, I am personally grateful to you all. Our prayer is that God will continue to bless you and your ministry in great and wonderful ways and to open more doors of service to him. We hope that the Lord allows you to visit visit us again in the future. Thank you for allowing our Savior and Lord to use you and to be a blessing to us, always because of his grace, Jason and Tammy Rogers. So Nicaragua team, thank you. That made an incredible impact. and uh, that's going to make an impact for generations. And then the following Saturday um, was a culmination of why you all were bringing school supplies and backpacks and everything, because we believe that every child should have the opportunity to go to school fully equipped and fully ready to learn. And uh, so the backpacks, the school supplies and everything, we partnered with Community Link, and so thank you for that. Truckloads. it was two pickup loads. I mean, like, not like small pickups, large pickups. Packed with backpacks. It was so awesome. And we got this card from the Community Link, who we partner. So part of uh, our giving goes to the Community Link. And it says, your donation will serve our community in various capacities. Last year, our donors made it possible to feed over 19,000 people without access to the food they need. To outfitting over 1,000 children for school so they can be ready to learn. And making sure over 800 children have a Christmas to remember. Thank you for helping us serve the Northwest Tarrant County. Sincerely, Community Link Board of Directors. I want to thank you, Creek, for being such a generous church that both locally and internationally, you are making an impact in the lives of families, making an impact in the lives of kids and people who need help. And it's, it, you're just helping just to help. That's part of what the gospel calls us to do, is to be a blessing to those who can never say thank you and never repay us. So thank you so much for being such a blessing um, to our community and to our world. I, I love working with you. I love serving with you. Um, so I'm grateful for that. One other housekeeping thing, the second service gets this one. The first one didn't get it today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You, know, you heard Ryan talk about squeezing in and everything. Um, I'm going to ask that, and if you're visiting, you know, you can admire the tree for a minute. I want to talk to our core, talk to our family. If you're core, you know who you are. I'm asking that we have 20 to 30 of our core families really pray about this. And pray about moving from the second service to the first service starting September 13th. We're coming into a busy season for us as a church. And so, core team, man, if you could help us out, um, that helps us with parking. That helps us with seats in here. That helps us with with children's ministry. Um, Our children's ministry is just, it's overflowing. It's awesome. I mean, God said, be fruitful, multiply. And you have taken that uh, to to town. We'll just say it that way. Um, So it's crazy. So All right. So uh, let's get into this. Uh, We're in Romans chapter 11. So happy to be back preaching. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, please write your name in it. It's our gift to you. Uh, Or if you have a smartphone, smart device, you can uh, find us on a free app called Uversion, And we actually put our notes uh, and our outline, our service outline that you can follow along. Um, So Romans chapter 11. Um, we've been teaching verse by verse through the book of Romans and, uh, we've been in this series since November and, uh, we've taken a couple breaks, but I love teaching this way because it holds us accountable to the context of the Bible. It, it lets us learn what God is teaching us instead of us approaching scripture and going, here's what I would really like scripture to say for me. Um, so it puts us in the middle of the context and today we're, uh, in Romans chapter 11. If you don't know where Romans is, there's a table of contents in the front of the Bible And uh, Romans is in the New Testament, the big numbers are the chapters and the little numbers are the verses. I know we've got a lot of people who are new to Scripture. And the reason we don't put a lot of Scripture on the screens and we want you to have a Bible is my responsibility is to feed you but also to help you learn how to feed yourself. And so when you have access to the Word of God and you can get in and study it on your own, man... That is, that's just good stuff. You start, your growth just takes off. And so I want you to have that. That's why we'll give you a Bible if you need one. And we want to help you get involved in that. Um, we've got some groups that are starting in a couple weeks. And if you want to learn more about the Bible, then giddy up. On September 13th, we're doing an expo in this room. And we'll have tables set up. And we'll, we'll actually end our service a little early so you can go around and, and uh, figure out what group you want to, want to join up. Um, so Romans chapter 11. This is a Today and next week, we're going to be finishing chapter 11 and this series that we've been doing called Perfect by Design, that God has a plan and has had a plan from the foundation of the world. God doesn't watch what goes on in the world and then adjust and go, okay, I need to tweak this, I need to change this, or they didn't do what I expected them to do, so I've got to make some adjustments. God has had a perfect plan since he laid the foundation for the world. When he stepped into nothing and spoke everything into existence, he knew exactly what his plan was going to be be. And it has been perfect from the beginning of time. And and Paul's been really using uh, Romans chapter 9, 10, 11 to teach us this in dealing with the nation of Israel and and how God has chosen them. And through uh, disobedience of God, they have fallen out of blessing with God, but God has not forgotten them. God has not walked away from them. And chapter 11 just really just highlights that God has a plan for Israel and he's not through with them. So Let's, verse 1 through 10 is kind of a recap of the previous chapter. So uh, I'm going to blow through that really quickly. And then we'll get into what Paul's talking about. So Romans chapter 11, we'll start verse 1. <coughs> I ask then, has God rejected his people? He's speaking of Israel. By no means, for I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you know know that the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel, Lord, they have killed your prophets, they've demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? God says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. I love what Paul is teaching us there. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear. Down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So what Paul's doing is recapping and saying, God chose the nation of Israel, not because they were special, but because of what he wanted to do in them and through them. And he raised them up. And through their disobedience, their hearts were hardened. And they were missing the grace of God. And Paul, you've got to understand, he's talking to a church. He's, it would be like, like not this setting, but he's speaking to an audience. And half of that audience would be Jewish and the other half would be Gentiles. So those inside the faith and those outside of what people considered the faith. And Paul's trying to help them understand the salvation is from Jesus. It's all about grace. And when you make it a system of works, you cheapen grace. See, if we make it works and we think we can earn it, we start to think we deserve it. I mean, all of us are going to go to work for someone and we're going to give them 40 hours this week. And we're going to expect a paycheck at the end of that week because we deserve it. Because we gave you our time and you give us your money. That's how That's how it works a transactional relationship. If we start thinking that, that, you know, God, I did this for you. God, I, I, I gave a backpack, so you owe me. God, I bought school supplies, so you owe me. God, I, I gave to the guy on the street corner that said, I need help, and so you owe me. God, I went on a mission trip, you owe me. God, I put some money in the giving stations on my way at a church last week, so you owe me. And God says, I don't owe you anything. But I will give you my grace. And you don't deserve it. You can't expect it. But He gives it to you when you ask. That's the beauty of grace. And Paul's saying, it's not about your self-righteousness. It's not about your works. It's not about how good you think you can be. It's about the grace that you're connected to through Jesus. And Paul is teaching us that salvation only happens through grace and through faith in Jesus, who is the Messiah. And then he starts to unpack this. So verse 11, he goes into, So ask, did they, did Israel stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make Israel jealous. Now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion be? So what Paul's explaining here is you've got the nation of Israel who has been chosen and who has been blessed. And and you've got this, this cycle that keeps happening of disobedience, and what Paul is explaining is that when they rejected the grace of God, they left the door open for those of us who are outsiders, who are Gentiles, to be able to come into salvation. And what Paul's saying is, is look, if they're walking out, provided riches for the world and riches for the Gentiles, how much more is their full inclusion gonna be? So God's not done with them. God has an incredible homecoming planned for his chosen people. And Paul's saying, look, if you think Grace has changed your life and there's riches in God's grace because of you. think about when his chosen people come back home think about the, I think about the prodigal son in that that where you see the the father running and you see you see the the, the embrace that happens in that and Paul is saying, you need to understand this he goes on he says. Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles. So he's speaking to those who are not born of Israel, who are not Jewish. Inasmuch then as I am a, an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save one of them. But if their rejection means reconciliation for the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So what Paul is saying is, it's God's plan is always bigger. It's perfect, and it's always bigger than what we can understand. See, you've got you've to realize that, that in this original audience, in first century in Rome, you have those who are born into the nation of Israel who are Jewish, and they think, I'm in, I'm God's chosen one, I don't need to do anything, I'm good. And they look at those who are not born of Israel and you're a Gentile, and in, this, and in Rome, in that context, they're Greek, so you're Greek, so you're out. And Paul's saying because of the rejection of the Israel, the Greeks, the Gentiles, can get saved. And see, God had a plan from the beginning of the world. The plan of redemption It's beautiful because Paul, in this passage, unpacks thousands of years of Old Testament history when you go back and read the Old Testament you really see the nation of Israel and you see the cycle of a relationship of good and bad and good and bad especially when you read through Kings and Chronicles you see that that a king was raised up, and he did good in the sight of the Lord. He did good in the eyes of the Lord, and there was blessing in the land. And then the transition happens, and there's a king who does not do good in the eyes of the Lord. And then there's, there's famine, there's, there's curses, there's, there's uh, captivity, there's, there's all kinds of messes that come out of disobedience. And God told the nation of Israel, he said, look, I'm putting before you blessing and curses. Choose blessing. Blessing. It's like a parent saying, I am putting before you, child, life and death. Choose life. Broccoli and Sour Patch Kids. Choose broccoli. I'm to choose Sour Patch Kids, actually. <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't a good analogy. We can edit that one out on the podcast. That one won't preach. But, so you see this cycle of Israel. God, we've drifted away from you and we're in a terrible situation and they repent. They're humbled and they repent and God restores them into favor. Doesn't this sound... I mean, we we look back at the Old Testament. We make fun of Israel. Like, how could they be so thick-headed? Honestly, it sounds a lot like my life. I tend to... When things are good, I'm like, oh, I got this, God. I'm good. And then I hit a wall. God, I'm not good. God, I'm hurt. God, this is awful. Help me. Save me. Pull me out of this. I'm drowning. Isn't that the cycle of humans? Humans. And Paul's unpacking this, that even in that cycle, God has a plan. And his plan was the redemption of the world. If that were the case, if, if his plan for redemption was just the nation of Israel, then John 3.16 would say, For God so loved Israel that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever in Israel believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. No, God's plan of the redemption was, For God so loved the world. God's plans are always bigger than we can imagine. And Paul helps us understand that. It doesn't negate Israel in God's redemption plan because salvation is from the Jews. It comes from Jesus, who is Jewish. Jesus was having a conversation with a woman at the well in John chapter 4. And they're having this great conversation about worship, and Jesus says, "You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews." And she is this woman is having a conversation with the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And he's like, "Salvation is from the Jews. Salvation is from me." And Paul is helping us understand an order in this process that salvation comes from the Jews. So. Had it not been for God choosing the nation of Israel, then you and I cannot be saved. And God's not replacing Israel with us. Because that plan of salvation, one of my favorite verses is Romans 1:16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, and we like to stop it there, but Paul gives the order in this to the Jew first and also the Greek. Do you know the redemption that came from the cross, the salvation that we can have in Jesus, started in Jerusalem. It started to the Jews first. And Paul's saying, now I'm an apostle to the Gentiles because God's plan is for this to go to all the world. Here's what I've learned about God's plans and and where I mess them up. I tend to reduce, I think human, we we tend to reduce God's plans to what we can understand. Well, God, I don't see how you're going to do this. I don't see how this is going to be possible, God. I mean, you said have faith like a mustard seed and you make this mountain jump in the ocean. I just don't see how that's going to happen. One, verse, one of the first verses I memorized was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Verse 6 says, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Our understanding is limited. God is infinite. If we try to reduce what God's doing to something we can understand, we've severely limited the power of God to human terms. Isaiah was having a conversation with God, and God just, he just, I mean, God should have dropped the mic. There should be a little parenthetical note in Isaiah 55 that says, and God dropped the mic after he says this to Isaiah, because it says, Isaiah, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And It goes on to say, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above yours, Isaiah. So, Boom. That's how I I think it should have been written, but I'm not the guy who decides how it's written, right? I'm living proof of this truth. Fifteen years ago, if you would have said, Matt, you're going to be a pastor, you and I would have had a conversation that we couldn't play in church today because most of it would have to be censored. Because I was not walking with the Lord, and I was nowhere near a church. God slowly started working on me and I just surrendered it to him and I can tell you I'm living a life today that I couldn't imagine. I get to see things that God's doing in the life of a church that I couldn't have imagined 15 years ago. That honestly 15 years ago I didn't care. And the only regret I have is that I wish I would have submitted my life sooner because how much more could I have seen God do? God's plans are always bigger. Don't reduce God's plans to what you can understand. His ways are not your ways and his thoughts are not your thoughts. Don't try to reduce God into something that you can kind of, you figure out his plan. It's not like the movie where you try to figure it out, ladies, before at the end. Oh, I know what's going to happen. Don't tell me. I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't want to know until it happens. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to go there because you need to be loving with your wives and husbands on the way out of church today. So don't get in a fight about date night and all that stuff. So let's go on. Verse Verse 16. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Now this is Paul, he's segueing into the tree discussion that we're going to have. Because some of you are like, what is he doing with that tree? I just got to know. Why is it up there? And then some of you really type A personalities, there's dirt on this, on this platform. You're like, they're going to have to get that cleaned up. It's just bothering me. Some of you are just, you haven't heard a word I've said because you're staring at the tree. Going, When's he going to talk about the tree? I'm going to talk about the tree in just a minute. Let me talk about the dough first, okay? The dough. Um, just a segue. I think this is beautiful how Paul puts this in there. It isn't a money conversation, but this is why the principle, when you hear pastors talk about tithing, this is why there is a principle of when you give the first fruits and that becomes holy, the rest becomes holy. That is why Heather and I, we wanna, we, we're going to give God his 10%, so that's holy, so the 90% he lets us keep is holy. Because if one piece of the dough is holy, the whole lump is holy. If there's a root of holiness in it, there's going to be holiness throughout it. And so I, that's just a principle of God, and I love that Paul put it in here because he's going to use it to teach about the nation of Israel and the Gentiles. And he's saying if, if God can sanctify one piece of it, he can sanctify the whole thing. If God can save one piece, he can save the whole thing. If he can declare one piece holy, he can declare the whole piece holy. And I love that, that God is big enough and strong enough and mighty enough to do that. Okay, so let me, let me help you with this, because where there's a holy root, there's a holy fruit, okay? Now we're going to get to the tree, okay? And this is what Paul just so, so amazingly starts to explain to us, where he says, okay, so I'm going to describe the kingdom like a tree, and so you've got the nation of Israel who, who grows up, and the nation of Israel is natural to the branches, so the, pretend this is a natural olive tree. This is, a, I think, an oak tree, and I think I might be allergic to it, but Pretend this is an olive tree. So what you have is through Israel, you have an olive tree that is cultivated, it's pruned, and it's grown, and you've got natural olive branches on that. Those are the Jews. Those are the ones inside, okay? Now you've got you and I who are Gentiles, and we're wild olive shoots. And what happens is through Christ, he takes us from being a wild olive shoot and grafts us into this tree. So that we become a part of the of the cultivated tree, and then he's saying, you, "You've got to be careful here because you can become arrogant because you're you're looking at other branches and they're like I don't belong here, but God brought me here." So, huh? Or you look at branches on the ground and you're like, "Yo, I'm I'm grafted and you're not." And what he's saying is, you the branch do not support the root when you're grafted in this root of holiness supports you and you have been brought in because of grace grace is what grafts us to this tree when you think of in context of what Paul's teaching what is the root The root's the promise to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, and throughout early on in Genesis, when you see the nation of Israel being called out, it happens through Abraham. And God says, Abraham, all of your offspring and all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you and because you have obeyed my voice. So he's not saying, hey, I'm gonna raise up Israel out of you, Abraham, and Israel's gonna be blessed. No, because of your obedience... And your faith and your righteousness, that you will be the root. And I'm going to build in you, Abraham, a root of promise that is for all the nations. And all nations will be blessed because all nations, because of grace, because of my perfect plan of redemption, can then be grafted in. And I love it because it has to be through faith, it has to be through grace. Because when Abraham believed God, it says that it was credited to him as what? Righteousness. Because of his faith. None of us have the ability to duct tape our faith enough to get life flowing through us. That just because we... Just as much as Paul is saying in this passage, that you who were born in Israel... It's not the natural birth, but you are born again under promise, the promise of Abraham. That just because you were born in Israel doesn't mean you're in. And there's a strong caution in this. Just because we're born in the most blessed nation on earth doesn't mean we're in. And for a lot of years, before I finally walked away from church, I was this branch right here. And I had duct taped myself to this branch hoping at some point life would start flowing. And I tried to stay connected. And I did everything in my power to, to, get, to get the way I could get the works for life to flow to me. And eventually the duct tape didn't work. And I fell away. It takes grace to graft this branch in to the trunk which life is flowing from the root all the way up. And he's saying, don't be arrogant. Because, see, when you look at this tree as being in Christ, Paul sums it up in Galatians 3. He said, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. So put your differences aside and start living in the unity that the blood brings. Start living in the unity that grace brings, that the Holy Spirit brings, that brings us into one body, one fellowship. Because through grace, all nations, Jewish, Greek, American, yes, the Middle East, all nations, and God grafts us into the tree so that we can become producers of fruit. Because where there's holy root, there's going to be holy fruit. If there's good nourishment happening, we're going to produce. Paul's speaking of an olive tree, and so there's going to be health that flows from the root up the trunk, through the branches to produce olives. So what's the fruit in our life? The fruit of a believer is other believers' that I should be reproducing believers. I can't make someone believe. I I can stand up here and I can preach to you the truth of God's word, and I can do it till I'm blue in the face, and I can tell you how much God has changed my life, but I cannot make you believe. That has to come from the root. So I'm feeding you the fruit that God's bearing in my life. What are some other fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is probably the most common one. you got the love, joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness self-control and so some of us and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm I'm in this because I'm I'm preaching to all of us now that Some of us try to produce more love in our life. Some of us try to produce more joy. Some of us try to produce more self-control. If I could just control myself more I wouldn't feel guilty after letting God down. Or I wouldn't feel guilty after letting my wife down. I wouldn't feel guilty after doing this. Whatever sin it is that you're harboring and you keep that pet sin and you just keep working with that and trying to train that demon. You know all of us are in that that thing together. The guilt you feel after that. You think if I could just get more self-control over myself then I can handle that. Self-control isn't something you can bear in your life. It has to come from the root. It has to come from the Holy Spirit bearing that in your life. So what happens is as you're connected to the trunk, the life is coming through the root. So when you're plugged in to healthy feeding and you're plugged into healthy community, gospel feeding, gospel-centered community, then that starts to pour in, move up and through the branch and through you and through us, and then things start to produce. And if you're not producing, let me encourage you to check your roots. Because where there is the holy root, there's going to be holy fruit. And then Paul goes on. He gives a a strong caution at the end of verse 20. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Because he's speaking now to the Gentiles. So he goes, if God didn't spare the people that he raised up and the nation of Israel that he chose, if he won't spare those, don't become prideful to think he's going to spare you. He, he goes on to say, note his kindness and severity. Severity towards those who have fallen, but kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. So he's saying, look, if those branches that have been cut off, if if, if they do not continue in the unbelief, they're going to be grafted back in. So don't become prideful and arrogant towards the branches. Don't start thinking that you're inside and those are outside. Now this I want to give you a caution in this we tend to we tend to think in terms of saved and lost, and there's a the, yes, there is a distinction, but when we start doing this, well let me just get to the point: love for God should produce love for his people and when we when we start getting prideful I'm, uh, just, just listen to this they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them in again, for if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature. Into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these other natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? You know, this is speaking specifically to, of how the church treats Israel. Or how the church, how, how people who are saved treat people who are not saved, who are, we, we call them lost. And so when we start doing this, I'm in, and you're not. That's arrogance, that's pride. And here's what happens. It's a lack of love. And when there is a lack of love, there's a lack of connection. And if that's your attitude, this is you. You dried up. You're withered. The faith is drying up. Because what happens is we miss the ability to see love produced in our life. And so, going back to the teaching, if love's not being produced, there's not love coming in, there's not a connection. And Paul's given a a challenge here and a caution about Gentiles and Jews. He says, you're one, you're grafted in, You're you're one in Christ. And the church has an incredible responsibility with the nation of Israel. We are to pray for Israel. We are to love Israel. That God is not finished with his chosen nation. Israel is the only nation that God has shared their complete history And God will call them back. And so we can't stick our noses up at them. And I'll even say the caution goes, don't stick your nose up at anybody who you think is outside of faith. Because it's your job, it's my job to go and share that gospel with them. That Jesus told us to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Even nations were at war with. All nations, all people. And we're called to love and pray for Israel and support Israel. And show them the grace that, hey, if we as outsiders could be included in, how much more of a celebration will be when you accept that grace. So through this, uh, we're going to end today a little bit different because I want to I just want to ask you, where are you? Are you rooted in promise? I mean, are you, we've got, I, I know we've got people in the, in the creek that are, and they're healthy trees, man. They are producing and there's just fruit. It's just like fruit falling from them. It's awesome. And I know there's some of you that feel like that, that withered branch. They're just like, I, I'm just struggling to hang on. I'm just struggling to, to, to stay connected. I'm just, I feel like I might be going through the motions or, or maybe today somebody invited you and you're saying, you know, what, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just coming back to this and God's got a plan for your life and, and we're going to end the day with an altar call because I want to give you the opportunity and I want to challenge you, man, to start doing some diagnostics in your life. What is your life producing? It's going to produce what it's connected to. If it's connected to nothing, then it produces death. If it's connected to Christ, it's going to produce life. Or maybe you're just dry. Maybe you just like I just I just need some nourishment. Maybe you've just been going through a lot of stuff, and you come up and you tell one of our altar workers, our prayer team, "Look, I've had enough fertilizer in my life right now. I need I need some water." But we're all going to stand. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to sing. They're just going to sing quietly. And you're not dismissed yet. I know some of you are thinking, well, we do the prayer thing at the end. Your kids aren't done yet. I still got you. But our prayer team's going to come up. And I want you, if you need prayer, and it may be nothing to do with what we've just taught about. But God's working on your heart in some area. And you just need somebody to pray with you. And I, I challenge you. I encourage you. Let us pray for you. Let's all stand and pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for having a perfect plan from the foundation of the world. Thank you for creating a way through Jesus, through the cross, through the resurrection, for us to be grafted in to Christ. Thank you that in Christ there is no differentiation other than we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb through the plan of salvation that was set in motion before the earth was even formed. Father, I pray today, I pray for people in this room to to submit to the salvation and the grace that you're so pouring out in their lives. God, for those of us that that feel like we're barely hanging on and unbelief is just killing us, I pray that you bring faith, that, that we call out to you, Jesus, help us in our unbelief. And I pray that you graft branches today, that you take wild olive shoots and graft them miraculously, supernaturally into Christ. And God, for those in this room that are struggling, I pray that you pour health. And I pray that that as that connection is is established or reestablished, that there becomes just an open pipeline from the root of the trunk to the branch to bring life and health. And God, for those that are weary and exhausted from trying to produce on their own, I pray that you just give them grace today. Just give them rest. And just illuminate the truth that as they rest in you, Jesus, and as they are nourished by you, Jesus, the production comes naturally. God, help us to live Breathe and move in the root of your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.